Hi, my name's Charlie Munn, and I directed this new audio play. My company, Theater's Dead, along with Rock Rising, are so proud to show you By Morning, a podcast in four acts available on all streaming services. The story begins with three brothers on the night of their parents' funeral. Listen in as their family history quickly unravels into this portrait of grief, kinship, and ultimately finding meaning in tragic circumstances. We're obsessed with each other. Unfortunately. Iris is going to be here in a few minutes. I actually think if I had the choice between beating the shit out of you or Dylan, I'd choose you, Gabe. Go for it. Hello, Iris. Hello, Dylan. I'm going to sit on the porch for a few minutes and have a cigarette. Would you like to join me while they work things out? Sure. Obviously, we deserve it. Yeah. It's funny. Hilarious. Please follow us on Instagram at ByMorningPodcast or visit ByMorningPodcast.com for more info. Great. Thank you. I'll see you guys around on, or listening. Fucking do it. I did it. We're rolling. Now the first thing on this episode is you oh, saying the F word. Oh. Hey, hey, Jean. Hey, hey. girl. Hey. <laughs> um, why don't you go first? You, okay. You have um, something cool and mysterious to share. Yeah, you know, it's cool. It's mysterious. Um, no, I was telling you before we started that I've been, you know, I. it's funny. I'm going to actually rewind it and give even longer of a preamble. Um, oh, you know, oh, I did this. I did. <laughs> I did this thing that um, this sort of glo- glo- you know global neighborhood. We'll just give a little bit of a plug to global mm-hmm. neighborhood. It's a sure part of that elk uh, teaching organization, um, just connecting people across the globe. And they have these Wednesday block parties. And the question was, how are you connecting with the world? And I was kind of like nervous because. The past several days, I have not been connecting with the world at all. I have been reading <laughs> over a hundred pages of Harry Potter a day, and mm, wow, nice. Which is easy to do. Anyone who's read Harry mm-hmm. Potter knows once you mm-hmm. finish those first two books, that you just mm-hmm. you just it's it's they snowball in terms of how much you have to read. Um, True. But you now the other thing I've been doing, and this is what I've been telling you, is I my mom was feeling depressed and wanted to get something that would take her mind off being at home. So she went and she just bought three uh, paint by number sets at Michael's. Mm. And she, you know, she got a starry night one for her, this hot air balloon one for my brother. And for me, she got this one that's like a, she felt like it looks like a European street scene. I kind of feel like it even looks like a street in Charleston. And mm. and we've been doing them, and I mean, you get sucked in, and you're just doing like one piece at a time, and like mm. hours pass. One time, I mean, literally three hours passed in the blink of an eye, wow. and it's so fun. It's it's engrossing. My mom finds it peaceful. I don't find it peaceful because there's so much like you have to be mine. You have to be particularly meticulous. 
mm-hmm. and you'll like finish a number and then an hour later find more of that number mm-hmm. and you're like god man um yeah. <laughs> but the um the the big thing that i want to get rid of is that w- people I, I when my mom was like i want to do paint by numbers my thought was like eh, paint by numbers that's like that that's like cheap mm-hmm. or and then other people were like you know as i tell people about it they're like oh do you feel like you're not really painting because you're mm-hmm. doing paint by numbers and i'm like no i mean first mm-hmm. off if you if you like i don't feel like it because it's not like it's different from tracing mm-hmm. it's more like putting together a puzzle than it is cheating at painting Um, right yeah totally no and and it's so great i think it's so great because it's like yeah you don't um especially if you know you have not been a painter very much or at all then like you get the experience of like you are painting but you're also being guided so you like you feel good about it otherwise i feel like i just feel like shit when i paint because i'm like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing this looks terrible (laughs) you know totally and i'm sending you a, a, a huge catch of photos because they're mm-hmm. all like in order of i just started every time i'd finish a, a number just taking mm-hmm. a photo to see it oh, slowly nice. sort of grow together um cool. and the the most recent one is where i am now and like i could never do that so right. it's like right. it's not even a question of do i do a cheap one without having to really put in the work or do i really work for it i could never do it i would never right. figure it out and so it's a question of like, do I have fun putting this puzzle together or do yeah. I just not paint anything? Um, right. No, that's awesome. I My my thing like that is um, needlepoint or like embroidery mm. or whatever you call it, which has been really fun. And I just, I just got the other day in the mail, this one that I ordered from Etsy that I'm very excited about and super complicated. But yeah, it's just like you have to follow the pattern and like, make sure there's like all the technical stuff of like making sure you are like transposing the pattern onto the like piece of cloth and everything. And then you just, and it's just fun to see it come to life. And like you, you made it, you did make it, you know, like it is a thing you made. Um, That's so cool that you're doing needlepoint. That was literally when it, when it, when the, when the stay at home, the state of emergency was first declared or like, you know, I first went unemployed. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what would be cool? Like needlepoint. Yeah. And I was yeah. like already looking up like needlepoint kits and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then, Etsy has a whole bunch. Yeah. Oh, but, man. That's so dope. And uh, I've also like I thought about doing it like I hate all my clothes. And so mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, maybe I'll like just stretch out a T-shirt that I hate or something like that. And then do some sort of like needlework on that and like transform Mm -hmm. the clothes that I have. Cool. Yeah, I love that idea. That's very cool. Yeah, I tried I because I had done one that I had done like a year ago just for fun. I had got uh, or maybe I got it for my birthday or something. But I was was like, oh, this is really cool. And now like there was some blank space on it. I was like, maybe I can make my own because there were like some flowers on it. I was like, maybe I could just like make my own flower on the blank space. Mm. Um, and <laughs> it looked really bad. 
<laughs> was the point of it. So like, that's the thing is I feel like it's really helpful to have, um, uh, you know, patterns to follow, but if, but like, yeah, once you know how to do it, if you can just like find a pattern and then like put that pattern on a shirt or like practice the pattern somewhere, I don't know, but like, cause it just looks, I don't know how it's all the, it's like the curving lines that you can create, mm. um, which only, which like, if you look at them up close in terms of actually what you're sewing, they don't seem like they should make a curving line. Like it's like a dot here, a dot there. Like, but totally, um, yeah. if, you zoom, if you zoom back, then they like make a curving line. And, but like, it's so impossible to do that if you don't like know how you're doing that. So mine just mm -hmm. looks like a little like robot flower. Cause it's all like right <laughs> angles and stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it's regardless, it's so fun. Yeah. That, you know, like, you talked about needing a pattern and I was like, oh, well, do you really need a pattern or can you, can you just like make something? Clearly it's exactly, it's the exact same thing. It's like, just get a pattern, make the mm -hmm. thing, you know? Right, like, right, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, really, I mean, because at the end of the day, who cares? Like, right, yeah. You, you, right. You're not That's doing needlepoint to like put a work in the MoMA and you need to worry about whether or not right, no. your, your artistic <laughs> integrity is being upheld. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, unless you're going to try to sell your paint by numbers painting as a Stephen Mosca's original, right. then like, you know, as long as you're not doing that, yeah, right. who cares? <laughs> um, Actually, yeah, I wonder I, like, yeah. I wonder if you could sell the paint by numbers as like a series on paint by numbers that you're doing. Uh, somebody, some modern artist could totally, would totally do that. And I'd right, be but I'm just wondering since they don't own the picture, mm -hmm. they don't actually own the picture that they painted. Mm. I don't know. I don't, um, but, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I just like, I totally agree with you about like just being super up close and just doing like dots or a line mm -hmm. or like a weird, you know, very elliptical, elongated C shape. Mm -hmm. And then you're just like doing it for hours, you know, a little mm -hmm. crosshair here, a little weird little splotch there. And then you step mm -hmm. back and you're like, oh, wait, that this window now looks like a like a real window or, oh, wow, mm -hmm. this this street actually is sort of bending off with perspective you know yeah. it, it it's awesome. so cool how that happens it is really cool did you yeah did i'm you, with you, did on... you get get the get the get the photos i didn't actually you didn't get the photos no i'm waiting here by my phone patiently maybe it's what if i accidentally sent them to somebody right now <laughs> uh that'd be good um well i'm sure they'll come maybe it's just slow I don't know. Okay. I'm having weird. We'll make sure that stuff. no matter what happens, mm -hmm. we stop everything. Yes. And we talk oh, yeah. about them. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, and uh, yeah, and you know, for for our listeners, I'll be like, "Oh, I like that one. Oh, that second one's cool." You know, like mm. things that mean mean nothing right. for You'd be like, audio. "Oh, and oh, and you did 14? Oh, 14 is great. 14 <laughs> really color, changed yeah. a lot." Actually, though, it's funny is I did spend like 3 hours doing 14 last night. <gasps> oh, I just and got them. They look great. Yeah. Did oh. you like 14? Did you like the 14? <laughs> That was so cool. Oh, this but, makes me really want to do this. Um, and you know, you have all five now, so it's like the mm -hmm. the fifth one. It's like ooh, lots of white. And then I honestly like 
I have to remind myself because I don't really see it continuing to transform. Oh, it looks like mm. it came out of order. Uh, it's okay. I can figure it out. Okay. Anyways, though, this really, truly for our for our audio listeners, um, I think we should move on from visual mm, things. Maybe. But I, I'm just, just for everyone to know, this looks very, very cool. We'll put it on um, the gram. We'll put it on, on the gram. I'll, I'll put it on the gram. But just say, like, uh, all I wanted to say was I've spent, like, mm-hmm. hours doing it. And literally, as I zoomed in to be like, oh, and this and this. And, oh, God damn it. Like, <laughs> and I just see, like, a not even a tiny one. Uh, like a big you, number. <laughs> right. Because if, <laughs> if you look, I I if you look at, like, that cobblestone street, I remember mm-hmm. looking at that being uh, like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, that this is, is so going, complicated. This uh, is going to fucking can't. kill me. Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well done. And I'm, yeah, I'm with you on getting rid of the stigma against um, the artistic expression of things like this because I'm yeah. with them. Yeah, just do them. Uh, just do them. They're so fun and yeah, whatever it, it takes. Right yeah, now. the main thing right now is just like, yeah, huh? I mean, um, I'm sorry. I'm I'm experiencing a little ambient uh, noise. It's quarantine life, so we all all, everyone knows what to expect. Everyone knows. People people having fun. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, shall we shall we jump in? Yeah, let's jump on in. Wait, did you do yours? You didn't do yours. We just were talking about mine. I didn't. Do yours. I know, but if you want to jump in, no, I don't want to jump in. I want to do yours. We talked about. I know. (laughs) Don't you don't you trick me? Don't you trick me? Don't you trick me, Gina? Did you trick me, Gina? <laughs> I didn't. You tricked yourself. Um, no, yeah. Mine, I mean, basically, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase this that isn't, like, insensitive to people who like these things or something. But I I'm ha- I really – there's something that's happening right now in because of the pandemic uh, where, like, so from so many sides – uh, of meeting like so many different people in very who I know from various places, whether it's family or like semi strangers. Um, I'm getting so many like emails that are like, "Hey, like, join me for this like online viewing of blank," or like, "Here's a chain email for like strong, you know, women right now." And I and I I'm just so overwhelmed by a lot of these and it's something about, I don't, and this is why, like, I don't know how to phrase this exactly, but there, it feels like there's a world where for some people are like, there's, I I want to get rid of like the, uh, the, the, like, uh, it feels okay. It just like, it feels like it's a little bit sometimes not actually about, um, trying to help each other through this mm-hmm. time like like things that feel a little bit more like look at how um strong i am right now or something or like i don't mm-hmm. know or just even like even like presuming like this will help you get through or this will help you know what i mean right um Pre-zooming? like where it's like oh nice Pre-zooming? <laughs> Pre- i got i i got it the first time uh <laughs> um uh, but yeah, like, so I don't really know exactly how to define this. Um, are you feeling like they're, um, like they're sanctimonious or something? Yeah, maybe that's a helpful word. Yeah. Like, I don't, 
Yeah. Um, and nobody is like pushing really hard. Like if mm. I just ignore it, ignore them, except for my mom. Um, if I just ignore them, then they, you know, mostly they go away except for some, which are like continuous chains that they just like leave everybody on being like, we should do this thing every week. And then like, even if you don't join, it's like, are you talking about the like, next like, one. like theaters and stuff? Or are you talking about like, in, no, like no, no, no. I'm just talking about people. I'm talking about people because mm. theaters, I'm like, I get it. Like try do everything you can right now to try to, you know, keep people engaged in your theater so that, you know. Um, I'm just talking right. about people. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I just got a lot of them this week that were like, you know, here's like, or like a link to this article of like stuff to ways to get ways to keep busy right now. Or like, mm. uh, you know, like let's watch, let's like send out a, send a, a poem to the person in yeah. position two on this email. And like, they're all, and so I don't <laughs> even know. Cause like That's so like, many of we- them. It's like that's like two so thousands territory where it's like I know, but answer all fifty back. questions and send it to ten people. They're coming back. Literally, I've had like ten of them. Maybe that's what it is of like all the like email chains that I thought we got past. Oh, it's man. like right now we're sort of like reverting to that because we don't yet have like new ways of uh of like connecting in this weird world. So we're just going back to like yeah. It literally I've gotten so many that were like a poem for this person in position two and then move my name to position one oh, or man. something. And wow. like, and like, you know, that. really? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I've gotten so many of them. Um, and again, like for some people, I'm sure that's really nice. So I don't actually want to, I don't know how to say that. You know what I mean? So maybe I'm just yeah. being like selfish or like uh, judgmental um, in which, and like, yeah. So, so I don't even know, but, but you know, I do, I guess I, I can just ignore them. From, you know? And I, and I like, the I struggle with that too. Like to me, what I'm seeing a lot of, and this is, you know, it's a little bit different, um, because I'm in a place where there's like regular television now. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's yeah, so many just stupid, sanctimonious commercials about how, and that 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 word was primed on the tip of my tongue because I've already been using it um mm-hmm. just you know budweiser johnson and johnson uh mm-hmm. volvo everyone it's like you know like we're here for you crowdsourced videos of people singing some sort of supportive song in black yeah. and white while <laughs> some random person like a still of a random person hitting a meal to a healthcare worker or a still yeah. and then it's like you know all this stuff and then it's like mm, quick books <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, getting right. through this time together and you're like what fuck you right. man that fuck has nothing off. to do with it yeah yeah uh, <laughs> also like i got to say i i think that you know i know that it, it's I'm in a position where uh, I don't have uh, like a family. And and so that's just like a totally different world, a totally different scenario. Um, hey, what? But I, I'm getting there. That was like the okay. beginning. Okay. Um, okay. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling fine. Hmm. And I think it's, it might be because I'm sort of, reacting against you know i'm in, i'm in a red state now i'm in the red mm-hmm. zone um mm-hmm. and i'm in a place where people are talking a lot about like 
you know, we need our freedom back and we need to open things up again and all these things mm-hmm. that causes me to be like, no motherfuckers, we should be staying right here. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know if it's that or if it's just generally that I'm gonna, I'm just sort of generally speaking a more like introspective person where I'm going to like think about like what's going on until I work it out. And that's not necessarily, Mm -hmm. I'm not being like, I'm not bragging by any means. Like sometimes I'll just be sitting. It's in some cases, it's incredibly Mm self-centered. I'm going to sneeze. Oh no. Thank you. Um, but <laughs> the uh, like, I'm not saying it's like a great thing. Oh man, I'm amazing. I do this. Like sometimes I spend so much time just like thinking about it that you know, really, what I should be doing is just going out and hanging out with other people or not thinking about it. But at least in mm. this time, it's also it just accelerated my ability. I feel like to make peace with the situation, mm. and so I don't necessarily feel like. I've got to get out. Mm-hmm. I got to get out. Yeah. Go crazy. Like, no, I'm right. not going stir crazy. Yeah. Now, but also who's to say that the entire reason ain't because of this motherfucking pay by numbers. numbers. Yeah. <laughs> now I'll yeah. also attribute some to Harry Potter because the last time I read Harry Potter, I remember, I mean, I got progressively sucked in. I didn't like leave my room for two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. will never forget closing that last book mm-hmm. and just sort of having to like reteach myself like, <laughs> oh, yeah, these people, they're not my friends. <laughs> like they're, they're so not my friends that they're uh, not real. What a good book can do. Yeah, right? so not, yeah that's amazing. Man. Yeah, man, I totally I love that feeling. It's so wild. Yeah, I've already decided like. Uh, you can get a you can get a paperback set for fifty bucks. Mm, so wow. when I get back to the city, yeah, it's like a it's like a kind of a trendier, like newer edition. Um, and yeah, oh, is it the one where the spines all match up to make an image together? I think so. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. A girl I ba- used to babysit for had those. It was very very cool. Uh, a friend of mine decided she wanted to reread it, and so she like. Uh, got it like it was like two years ago or so but yeah it's like 50 bucks on amazon and great i've decided like i am going to finish the fourth book Mm. but steven moss is making his reemergence into the city next tuesday and so i feel like i can finish goblet of fire by next tuesday Mm -hmm. i i can't finish order of the phoenix so i'm just not going to start it right but yeah, so I'm on I'm on like page two thirty and I've been reading mm-hmm. it for two days. Mm-hmm. So I think if I continue at that rate, I'll be done with Goblet of Fire in approximately five days. Nice. That's how much time you got. That's exciting. Yeah. Ain't it? Ain't it? Are you sniffling? That's so exciting. No, I just had a single sniff because it's freezing in our apartment. Oh gosh. Uh, oh okay. gosh. All right, which one? All right, are we all ready? Right. Are, are, now are we ready to start this I, thing? Please, I would really love to. Oh Let's man, come it. on and slam, and welcome to the jam. 
Come on and slam and welcome to the jam. Come on and slam and welcome to Should We Keep This, the cultural review podcast that's G14 classified. Looking back over the past 50 years of film, music, and television, challenger nostalgia and give it the question, what kind of Mickey Mouse organization would name their team the Ducks? I'm Stephen Moskis. Oh, respect. I am Gina Stevenson. And today we're looking at Rush Hour and Space Jam. We sure are. Yeah, you know, looking at some <laughs> comedies of the 90s. Yep, this is our, our first of, well, our many fun pairings of 90s movies are to come. Right, so, right, right. Uh, this is exciting. Um, I watched Space Jam first. I don't know about you. Um, I also watched Space Jam first. Oh my gosh. How what do, we keep doing do you know? This? What do you know? Why do we keep mating like this? All right, well, let's start with Space doing? Jam. Let's do it. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so 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 yeah, so this is we just there's so I, we already said this, but I just want to say there's so many '90s movies that made such impacts of so many different genres. So we're just gonna we're taking our sweet sweet time with these '90s movies. So we're bringing you two today. Okay, so Space Jam is from 1996, um, and I'll try to keep nice. it together as I read this synopsis because every sentence is ridiculous. Okay, uh, so it begins with a montage of a young Michael Jordan as himself um, becoming a basketball star. And uh, and then we see a press conference where he announces his retirement from basketball to pursue a career in baseball. Uh, meanwhile, in outer space, the amusement park Moron Mountain faces decline. Its owner, who is apparently named Mr. Swackhammer, um, sends his minions, apparently called the Nerd Lux, uh, I say apparently for both those because I don't think I heard their names at any point in the movie, mm. um, sends them to Earth to abduct the Looney Tunes as a new attraction for the amusement park. Uh, so the minions burrow into the Earth where the Looney Tunes all live in a cartoon world. Understandably, the Looney Tunes don't want to be abducted to a space amusement park, so Bugs Bunny and friends challenge the minions to a basketball game, obviously. Uh, the minions accept and proceed to steal the talents of NBA players and therefore transform into large, muscular monsters who are great at basketball because they're big. Uh, they also just, they're not so great at, like, they squish the ball a bunch of times and, you know, they're just tall so and, like, large so they can play basketball real good now. Um, mm -hmm. So Bugs Bunny looks for help in Michael Jordan, who is not that good at baseball, it turns out. So he's kind of at a, at a crossroads in his new career anyways. Um, Bugs Bunny lassos Michael down a hole while Michael was golfing with Bill Murray and Larry Bird playing themselves, uh, bringing Michael to the cartoon world and convincing him to help train the hopeless cartoon characters for the big basketball game. Uh, on the day of the match, the Monstars dominate the first half, but Michael rouses them to victory with the last-minute aid of Bill Murray. And the Looney Tunes are set are free. Hooray! Swackhammer is sent back to Moron Mountain in a rocket, and Michael Ooh. Jordan returns the stolen talent to the NBA players. And then Michael returns to his basketball career. Mm, hooray! I think. Mm, mm, that's... I feel like I have a. I just want to fact check real quick. Um, sure. I think he was sent to the moon. Oh sure, okay. Sent, he's sent to outer. I think space. his rocket. He's sent to outer space. I think his rocket crashes into the moon. Mm, so right. fact check. Big right. old fact check. Okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Keep me honest. Yep. You're welcome. Yeah, uh, we, we're we're we are nothing jam. if we don't have our own integrity. So yeah, you know, Space Jam. True. This forty million dollar movie made six hundred and seventy two point eight 
million dollars. Um, That's a lot of money. That is a wow. that is a lot of money for this movie. It's one thing that's wild, like some some quick facts about this movie that I just think are are really funny. I should be putting this at the end, but I'm going to put them up first. Um, yeah, there's yeah. no way to be impartial when talking about this movie. This this movie has a, a the website of this movie is still mm. up and running. <gasps> cool. With I'm links good. like Jam Central, the main and, and like literally, if you click on the site map, it's got like typed out in Times New Roman a map of, you know, Jam Central is a main repository for all the basic information about Space Jam. And then there's, you know, behind the jam with B-roll footage. Junior Jam for kids. There's <laughs> there's Lunar Tunes with the, sp- you can oh. look into the soundtrack. There's Planet B-Ball, Stella Souvenirs, the Jump Station, your, f- your central location, for fulfilling all of your Space Jam linking needs. Jump to other oh Warner God. Brothers sites as well as our promotional partners. Like, this is Wow, it's wild. still there. And Spacejam.com, everybody. That's this, all there's a star on the, bo- like on the bottom of the site map that just says, uh-huh. Never on the internet have so few worked so hard to bring you so much in so little time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Mm, baby. Sure, if you say so. Oh my god, this yeah, is such a good like, website. It is, oh, there's uh, games. There's games. Right. There's games. But like seriously, click on the site map and just look at what that even looks like. Yeah, no, I oh I'm on the website. Trust no, but me. click on the site map. Uh this site was brought to you by the following people. No, no, no. It's like if you look on the main menu, it says there's like a disc that says site map and it's got like four arrows on it. Oh, yeah. Okay, got it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, nice. And it describes them all. Nice. It's just like a Microsoft Word table. <laughs> I know. There's a coloring book. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. Neat stuff to look at. Oh, what's that? Okay, anyways. You I should wonder, like, can go... you buy, like, can, are any of these oh, stellar souvenirs still, like, yeah. available? I don't know. Oh my God. Jam posters, <laughs> postcards. Oh, my God. Screensavers? Screensavers. Get out of town. <laughs> Oh, oh my awesome. god! You just have to download yeah. it. Okay, I might download this. Is this is amazing. This is amazing. Um, great. Okay, no, anything um, else? The uh, other thing that movie? is, yeah, the other thing that's like, that's like just a silly thing that I found to be one of the funniest facts based on their like current contemporary branding. Mm-hmm. That this movie made its cable TV debut on TNT mm. in '99. Um, wow. Which is a funny because you know TNT, they know drama, and and this movie is nothing but the pinnacle of drama. Yeah, um, yeah. So this movie has you know I try to break up the talking about the stars by like saying you know who's pre fame, who did this movie, who who was put on the map by this movie, um, and then who's you know already famous. This movie mm-hmm. uh, put nobody on the map and has nobody that wasn't already famous. Um, I mean, yes, unnamed voice actors, but guess what? They never got famous because they're unnamed voice. They're 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 mm-hmm. voice actors that we never see, and therefore weren't really able to, you know, capitalize, say, as some other actors are able to do. This movie was uh, directed by someone named Joe Pitka. Now he's mm-hmm. a predominantly a commercial and music video director, and 
he directed such mu- such uh, music videos as "The Way You Make Me Feel" and "Dirty Diana" by Michael Jackson. Um, this is only his second movie, but he's as a commercial director holds the record from the Directors Guild for the most outstanding director nominations for hmm. commercial directing. He has fifteen. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. that's crazy. Um, then uh, the this entire film was derived from a series of commercials he had literally in the during the super bowl there was one super bowl ad in 93 where that featured michael jordan and bugs bunny and then they did after the super bowl ad which was so successful whatever even that means for a commercial um (laughs) they made a second one and after that second one, they were like, let's make this whole fucking thing a movie. Okay, so this that was, was my question. Of yes, how this it movie literally got made. evolved from a fucking commercial. commercial. Uh, uh, Hair we, Jordan, if I if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. in terms of so H-A-R-E. <laughs> Get it, everyone. Oh, is, funny. Is a, is a rabbit. Funny. Yeah, um, fun, another a cool thing, uh, Tom Barry, the guy that plays Michael Jordan's dad in the very opening of the movie, his first, mm-hmm. uh, his first TV role was uh, a bit part in the Soup Nazi episode of Seinfeld. So I was oh, like, no oh, my way. God, that, that's a connecting. Oh, yeah. Cool. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, Danny DeVito, Wayne Knight, Bill Murray, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, <laughs> all of these people uh massively famous so uh this is this movie movie, was a safe bet right and the movie even like you know because most of those people everyone except danny devito and wayne knight okay most of those people were like playing themselves like that you know it relies on the fact that they're already famous for it to even matter you know what i mean so yeah right (laughs) yeah i mean that is it, it is bizarre that they're all just talking so much about their own fame. Right. Yeah. Like that's something that like is not really, I mean, I guess like athletes have the ability to brag like that. It's like part Mm -hmm. of the athlete bundle, but for the most Mm -hmm. part, we don't find it endearing when people sort of brag about the Mm -hmm. money that they have and then that kind of thing. Um, Right. Like even the idea that they're like all playing golf together, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is elitist as fuck. Mm-hmm. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even the one woman who is like, like the least famous is his wife, mm-hmm. Teresa Randall, but she mm-hmm. and she was like building momentum, building momentum, building momentum. Well, her next film was Spawn, and then. She basically did nothing after that. I mean, very, very little sporadic work that was like not um, nearly successful. So in a way, this movie. I mean, I didn't look into why she took a hiatus. Don't, you know, at me. But, you know. There is still work. It's just like really small work. So in a way, this room, you know, the people who weren't mega stars, this film like in some cases kind of damaged some momentum for some people. Um, mm. Now, mm. 
the wild thing to me is that like this you know very little things are um like in the cultural consciousness from this movie the main thing that's in the cultural consciousness from this movie in my opinion is is actually just the movie itself yeah right right but then the other thing is is i believe i can fly i mean Mm -hmm. i believe i can fly the soundtrack of this movie. The soundtrack of this movie yeah. went six times platinum, Gina. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, yeah, lots of lots of bangers on this on this soundtrack. That's so crazy. Though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow. Was I believe I can fly? Like, um, like was this movie the way that song got? Yes, written and performed. Uh, yeah, for, uh, like for the soundtrack to Space Jam. Wow, like, amazing! And it, it wasn't included on an R. Kelly album until, uh, until '98. Oh my god! And there's even like this, like sultry. The cover of the single is this sort of like soulful R. Kelly, like cocked to the side, and this like mm-hmm. intense picture of like half of Michael Jordan's face. <laughs> And then on the other side, it's half of Bugs Bunny's face. <laughs> I'm like, like, I'm all Kelly. This is what a song. Bugs Bunny. That's party fig. Thank you very much. Oh, like, oh my God. Wow. Yeah, and this movie, it references, it's so funny. It references uh, movies that we've talked about already. Like there's a Patton reference and there's mm-hmm. a um, fiction reference yep. in this movie. So it's like, ah, look at that. May I add, I don't know if you already, if you were going to say this, but um, something that I discovered just earlier today, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Th- that Space Jam 2 uh, is coming out next year. Did you hear about this? Oh, yes. I know about it. It's going to have oh. uh, LeBron James, maybe. LeBron James. 25 years later, Space Jam 2. And that they're, after this became such a success, they were trying to make a Space Jam 2 pretty much right away. Mm. Um, and did you see all the things that they... that they were trying to pitch about what Space Jam 2 would be. (laughs) Okay, so the first one, well, first they just tried to do a Space Jam 2, like that where it was like the same characters and it was also Michael Jordan. But apparently Michael Jordan refused to sign on to do a second one. Um, And so then the next idea was uh, Spy Jam, which would star Jackie Chan along with the Looney Tunes. Um, then they just, they were like, how about, uh, something that is startlingly titled, uh, but means something different race jam, uh, which would be about a NASCAR driver. <laughs> and then <laughs> drop. This is not, and I'm not even I know. Dropped. And then they were also, um, there, then there were, they tried to do one where Tiger... They didn't have a title for this one that I could see, but it would be um, a golfing one with Tiger Woods. Putt and Jam. Uh, putt Jam. And then there was Skate Jam with Tony that Hawk. That one I did know about. Um, you did? Okay. I knew about that one because when you're talking about like all the different sequels they were trying to make, I was the only thing that I had read is that the way that they tried to capitalize off this movie was doing Looney Tunes back in action. And... Mm-hmm. Be- and like... 
I saw a thing that like Tony Hawk had said where he said that he was in meetings to make a, a, a skate jam movie. And there's mm-hmm. even like, you know, animation from it that was, that has been declassified. And, oh. and then he said that basically the failure of Looney Tunes back in action shuttered mm-hmm. skate jam. And I think that's probably <laughs> the reason that it took, you know, 24 25 years, years 25 years yeah. for it to be uh another space jam space, space jam too yeah i just yeah i just think it's so funny because it's also like for things like when you're like race jam space skate jam it's like they're in nowhere the word basketball has nothing to do with the word space or the word jam so like you're just what like they it just right. implies a like total it's not surprising to me considering the script and the plotting of all these uh, movies, but like, I'm like, what, what do you mean race jam? That's got, is there, is there no space? Like, cause it, right. like, what is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like all the things that they replace, uh, yeah. all the things that make space jam, space jam are still like, or make the title relevant to space jam are still going to be relevant in this movie. Right. Like, yeah. so it's just not <laughs> yeah. going to make any fucking sense. It doesn't uh, make any sense. Uh, also, we vote on this? just oh, how okay, how crazy is it that like they're just plug and playing like that in a way that it, it like it's so transparent, but it also kind of aligns with the idea that the movie came from a commercial. Yeah, totally. I mean, it <laughs> totally. just it just lines up. We can vote on it. We can vote on it. We can vote on it. Vote on it. Let's right. vote on it. Let's vote. On it. Ready? Yeah. <sighs> Three, two, two one. one. Yeah. Keep it. Yeah, keep it. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, this movie has some things that are, like, that I don't love. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. They got to the, fix all the Lola Bunny crap. The what? Lola Bunny. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, that, like, the whole idea of, like, don't call me doll. And I'm like, well, why'd you draw that way? That's right. the real, yeah. the, you know, like you, I like, I, I'm glad that this is the personality that you chose, but why did you choose to undercut that with? Well, no, right. And it's just like trying to be an excuse to be like, oh no, like see, we're not actually sexualizing this woman, this, this bunny, this animal, mm-hmm. question mark, whatever you what? are. Um, but like. Like by like the one line being like an excuse to say like no this isn't a sexualized thing like she's right. strong and she whatever but also she's the only cartoon she's the only character who's not a human cartoon um, who is wearing full clothes like Porky Pig mm. or I think has like a vest or something silly and like she like they it's just so gross because it's like they gave her all these curves. And yeah. then clothes to cover up, but also reveal those curves. And every other right. animal is just naked. And like, that's so we don't think about them having bodies really, or like having bodies right. that we could equate to human bodies. But by like giving her like short shorts and like a tight, tight shirt and boobs, like she's just like, we're thinking about her being naked. You know what I mean? Which is right. like, just so gross. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. Yeah. And she's the only I mean, she's the only one that was only character invented for the movie. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's even a 
you know, not to say, oh, it get, it would get a pass if it was something really shitty that they brought in from the original property. But like oh, these guys sat in the room and they were like, oh, what's something we can throw in? Oh, just some like uh, crazy Sexy. chick who's good at basketball. Oh, and Bugs wants to fuck that sweet right. piece of bunny tail. Um, yeah. And she's apparently she is going to be in Space Jam too, so I wonder how they will do it. But it's right. also so weird. It's like like once you have humans in the mix, I like was really closely watching. Like, how does Michael Jordan react to this sexualized female bunny? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's just such a weird little gray area because like basically he kind of is like you know buddy buddy up with Bugs about how she obviously doesn't like him, but mm -hmm. like. Also, like you're just you are sort of treating her like she is a woman. It gets so weird. <laughs> it just right. It's so like confusing. you're looking at this like I feel like he's not. I feel like he's not treating her like she might not be a good basketball player, but she but he is like dropping into like kind of sidekicking bugs in a way mm -hmm. that I'm like. It's weird, man. I feel like right. the way that he, if I, I, I like, why wouldn't he be like, uh, dude, she's a cartoon, man. I'm sorry. Like, I can't, yeah, right, I can't, exactly. I can't wingman you. <laughs> lines on a piece of paper that I am inside right. of right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I feel like, yeah, my, I, I think it's so weird that this movie even happened. And like, it's such a, strange idea that i'm just like we should like it's let's keep it just because it's like yeah. a weird experiment you know what i mean like it's like it's so uh it's both like the i mean the there's this plot is so thin um and like there's a lot of you know gratuitous sort of like i don't know classic sort of americana uh, feelings to it but it's also like such a strange unusual idea that it's like yeah, good for you for trying something yeah. really weird and having it be surprisingly successful. Also, uh, like yeah. I couldn't believe that that there I couldn't believe I, I kept thinking, oh, there has to be more plot than this. But, right. But no. <laughs> but no. They, I but mean no. they get to the <laughs> basketball game almost immediately. Then, for for obvious reasons. Right. For, sure. Because like, what else? They, we got, we got we Michael Jordan. We want to see him play basketball. Right, um, right. No, yeah, it's so and like everything. I mean, like from the very beginning, I'm like, wait. So this alien amusement park, there's like one alien child who's like, this park's kind of boring, and so the owner of the park is like, hold the phone. We need some new entertainment. Let me. So the Looney Tunes will come to the amusement park and like do shows. But like amusement parks are about rides. Like, what are you like? And why do you want to pick them? Like, it's just it's so. And then suddenly, he's he's also at the basketball game. So you're like, oh, so he agreed to this like basketball playoff idea. Like, it there's just so many confusing. Right, like they did it, I actually I'm just thinking about that now. They didn't run it by him. They no, have they just guns. Yeah, they would, the guy right. would be like, no take them just shoot just take them yeah right. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah, so yeah. weird um it's so weird. yeah it's so weird also uh, it's making me think of like 
a fun there's another fun version of this movie that exists in an alternate universe where mm-hmm. they do it like galaxy quest mm. because it's because like um, like we saw the historical documents <laughs> like <Yeah>. what <laughs> totally <laughs> totally <laughs> your historical documents yeah. where you evade right. the el- the hunter the historical right, documents. right. Yeah. I also was having the thought that perhaps this movie, just because obviously this is not the point, but it's fun to think this way when when you have when like anything could be happening because it's so ridiculous that this movie like in the movie, it could very well be Michael, the Michael Jordan character, like his um, his like imagination uh, taking creating this whole like fictionalized fantasy world where he in order to be the hero has to play basketball again as like an excuse for like a redemption for the fact that he is terrible at baseball and therefore like wants to return to basketball but doesn't want it to seem like he's giving up on something and like just kidding I want to go back uh and so like that he this could all be inside of like his head where he's like projecting Mm. this fantasy of like you know what I mean? And then, and then in the end, like he returns to basketball triumphant and like, uh, it was just fun to think about this all being like his imagination because like, it's just so ridiculous to him. And he's so unsurprised when he meets all the Looney Tunes characters. Like he's just kind of like, this can't be happening. But then he's like, what are you doing bugs? You're my friend. You know what I mean? Like he just is so quickly believing, saying yes to the world that I'm like, I think you created this whole idea in your well, mind. I also love that, like, you know, he announces his retirement, he goes into baseball, and then he gets sucked out. Um, and then he, and it ends with him going back to base to basketball. But this movie was made a year into his return. Right. And so right. it's like, I'm like, it's almost like a, you know, a documentary. Like why right, did he? Right. Why did he retire? Oh, you want to know why he retired? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, he wanted to make it in baseball, um, and he came back because you know he was <laughs> renewed by the love because he, was, he spent time saving the Looney Tunes from um, intergalactic uh, tyrannical theme park owner. Uh, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. This movie is a documentary. Right, I love that. <laughs> That's really really fun. Also, something uh, that surprised yeah. me about this movie that I definitely did not catch the first time around is that this movie is taking deep shots at mm-hmm. Disney. Yeah. And I, it is. I it's, yeah. when I saw More on Mountain, I was like, oh, is this actually, is this making fun of Disney? So oh, funny. Like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, wow, this this is like attacking Disney. And yeah. then it wasn't until Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny are walking across. And he's like, you always should call, you always should call our team the Ducks. And then he goes, right. what kind of Mickey Mouse organization would call their team the Ducks? Right, right. I was like, rewind. Yeah. Back right. 10 seconds. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they also, I mean, it's so fun. There's so many things that like, yeah, as a kid were straight over my head but that like because i feel like yes it it is like poking fun at disney but also at itself like there's the moment where daffy duck literally kisses his own ass where there's a warner brothers Uh stamp on it and he's and so he's like literally just like sucking up to you know right uh the studio uh and then the one line where uh wayne knight 
um, you know, is like busting into Michael's mm-hmm. like room and he's like, lace up, you know, pull up your Hanes, lace up yeah, your Adidas, your grab a Big Mac. You know, yeah. Yeah, and it's like you know, and we'll get a Big Mac. Exactly, exactly. Which is just like all the like there were there were some really funny moments of like um like sort of really tongue in cheek uh, awareness of like what they're doing and like the the need to suck up to the studio and to endorsements and like it makes sense you talking about this being like from a commercial and from like a commercial Uh director you know that like his whole world uh, is like product placement and like the need to suck up <laughs> you know what i mean and and, and that's why like i think really that he's good i think that i think that's why michael jordan is pretty good at uh-huh. acting with like in front of an just a green screen mm. in front of nothing. yeah he does a like, job he, with a he, really, yeah you know he's not like a great actor by any means but i would not expect him he was no worse of an actor with mm-hmm. the real basketball players in that final scene than he was with all the animated creatures in a in a giant green screen room. And I think that's yeah. totally because he's used to like the little sort of like larger than life performance mm-hmm. of professional athletics, but also, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta do commercials, you gotta do product placement and stuff. So there's like he's coming from this commercial acting background. I also yeah. thought it was crazy that the movie, you know, yes, it's making those uh, tongue-in-cheek references to his real world that people are going to get. It's also making, like, entertainment references that I feel like entertainment people are going to be getting. There's times where, like, Daffy Duck, when he's rough rustling through, they're trying to get the shorts. He's like, ah, you know, if this were a union job, um, yeah. you know, making references to to SAG or I mean, mm-hmm. even the fact that they go to the union hall to talk about it. I'm like, totally, totally. It's like a weird. Oh, it's so weird great. Yeah. Thing, because like, yeah, listeners, when the aliens come and they're like, we're going to take you as slaves. They're like, oh, we have to have a meeting about this. They all go to the tune union hall. To talk about how it's gonna happen. Uh, right. The other, the other entertainment yeah. moment um, is the like after they fight, they have to fight the dog from Michael Jordan's athletic shorts, and they're mm-hmm. fighting this French bulldog. And then these kids come in, and then they save them. They get the the shorts, and then without figuring out why, they just go, "Here, you can have my dad's shorts." Like they don't know that they're doing it for a game and that Michael Jordan's involved. Right. They just know that Looney Tunes are there stealing their dad's stuff. Uh, yeah, and then well, and then oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, the, the they leave, and Donald Duck goes. Well, uh, Daffy Duck. It's Daffy Duck. Have I been saying Donald Duck? It's Daffy Duck. I don't think you've said a name yet, but I can't. It's Daffy Duck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, because yeah, because Donald Duck is is Disney. Um, oh, look at that. and he's Mighty the one that he's like, yeah, nice, um, oh, good job. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but Daffy Duck goes, uh, That's the last time I'm working with dogs or children, right, which right. is like an entertainment reference that mm-hmm. I feel like many people don't know. That, like, in the entertainment world, they say, eh, Never work with dogs or children, mm-hmm. never work with dogs or children, they steal the scene every time, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Also, there were some there there the one the one adult joke that I was like boom was when the the basketball players are like they're trying to figure out what's wrong with them and what's going on and and so they're um Patrick Ewing is in a psychiatrist's office and he goes now are there any other is basketball a metaphor are there any other areas where you are unable to perform mm-hmm. and I was like in a in a PG movie like, I mean, I'm not, uh, honestly not surprised because it's meant for, yeah, like a kid will not understand yeah. what that means at all. Right. And like the parents be like, oh, a little titillated. <laughs> and also the pun, the joke of like men, uh, like, you know, uh, not being able to get it up is like a funny right. thing to joke about. So like, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I found, a par- this is just a fun fact. And I'm like, I'm so curious to know what would have happened if this had been greenlit. Um, but apparently the director is according to him at least is like friends friends with spike lee or was at the time um and apparently spike lee approached him asking if he could do like a punch-up of the script uh and joe the director was like super excited about it but warner brothers uh said no and so he didn't get to um but like apparently spike lee was like let me take a look at the script and uh see if i can do anything to it uh, and I'm just like, what would that have been I like if we had done have that? Loved that. I know, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, but- they weren't going to have him do it. No. I mean, yeah, obviously, not- he was not going to. Like, right. man, th- this movie that is taking zero risks, right. like with the most famous people and famous existing properties. Because it's also like nowadays, it's kind of tough to like, it can be tough to remember that like in the nineties, like new cartoons weren't like pouring off the shelves, you mm. know, like the, the Looney Tunes, they were in normal, like regular syndication with everything else, mm. you know? And so like it was a popular show. Then kids knew it and were watching it. Then you might not have been watching it because I know you didn't have TV, but it was like it was on. It it was Mm -hmm. on. Tom and Jerry was on. I used to Mm -hmm. I I remember that I would get really mad because I would wake up around like nine o'clock in the morning during the summer and the Flintstones would be on for two hours. And I fucking hated the Flintstones. Tom and Jerry came on from eight to nine and I would be Mm -hmm. so pissed that I would miss Tom and Jerry. Well, it's your own fault. You got to right? wake up. No, look, I, I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> these are like 60s cartoons that were being mm-hmm. aired on on Cartoon Network in in the yeah. mid to late 90s. Like these it, it right. wasn't until like Boomerang came out and they were like, all right, take all those properties, put them on this channel and we'll have all new shit um, mm-hmm. that like yeah. that it even became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That that like people started to grow up without access to this stuff. Hmm. Wild. Yeah. Um should we go to rush hour? Yeah. I mean there's no I mean, like, there's nothing really crazy. I mean, the only thing that's left is like 
The two things that I feel like don't get talked about are that uh, Patricia Heaton and Dan Castellanata are uh, in the basketball scene when... I don't know. Who are those people? Uh, Patricia Heaton was Deborah in Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is her. They sit next to her. And then Dan Castellanata is like one of the main cast of like voice actors and stuff for The Simpsons. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, he's like right up there with like Hank Azaria, you know, just like doing loads and loads yeah. and loads of voices. Um, oh. So I saw them oh. and I was like, oh, damn. Damn, damn. Yeah, look at um, you. Also, hmm. it's pan, you know, it felt interesting to be watching this movie where there's like an epidemic, like a perceived disease epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. But the crazy thing there is like, you know, this movie taking shorthand and and just kind of running with it and not really spending time for people to ask too many questions. Five basketball players in one game lose their ability. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens again at all. And yet there's like this like growing progressive fear that like this, mm-hmm. this, this terror is taking over the NBA. I'm like, mm. It happened I once. think in those oh. games where nothing happened before they canceled the season, mm. where n- just nothing happened, they probably yeah. would have been like, mm, "Actually, this is fine." We've seen right. we've seen now that like roughly mm, roughly forty thousand people can die, and then they'll shut down the NBA. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, I was just like, mm, it was five people in one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And the other, the other thing, the one other thing was that, um, you know, there's a joke told that he, that, you know, all over the news, every news channel, everybody's talking about how uh, Michael Jordan sucks at baseball, but mm-hmm. he arrives on the pitcher's mound in a cartoon spaceship. Mm-hmm. And that makes little news <laughs> like, i know uh, right with a whole stadium full of people mm-hmm. seeing it no i know there were, there were several moments where like a whole crowd of people saw a cartoon spaceship right and that yeah, we never saw any news about that i mean maybe they were all too embarrassed to even report having seen having thought they saw that because and like i kind of get that i get yeah, that yeah. Until yeah. Michael Jordan Until walks out of one in the totally. middle of a baseball field when <laughs> like 50,000 right. people can can watch. Right, right. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's a world where uh, reality doesn't turn on its head and everything we know it just implodes. But... Patrick, you know, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, all those guys when they're playing basketball and he walks in... The first thing they would say is, dude, you were in a cartoon spaceship? Like, <laughs> the, what? Right. Yeah. I feel like if this movie, I want to see, uh, now I'm realizing as we talk about it, it's like, I want to see the contagion version of this movie where like, oh, he went to the cartoon <laughs> world, but he didn't have cartoon antibodies to the cartoon diseases. And now he's suffering. And now cartoon flu is ravaging the earth. Maybe that's what Space Jam 2 will be, you know? Space Jam 2. Oh, we'll find man. Out. Um, okay, let's move to Rush Hour. Rush Hour! Um, this is a 
1998, just a couple years later. Um, and I'll give us a little synopsis. Um, okay, so the movie begins uh, in 1990, it's set in 1997 on the last day of British rule of Hong Kong um, is the, the first scene of the movie. Uh, and on that day, Detective Inspector Lee of the Hong Kong Police Force leads a raid, um, hoping to arrest this unidentified anonymous crime lord known as Jun Tao. Um, he doesn't find Jun Tao, but he finds he encounters Sang, who is Jun Tao's right-hand man, who escapes. Um, but even though he escapes, Lee recovers numerous Chinese cultural treasures that Jun Tao had stolen. And he presents them to the Chinese consul, a man named Han, and this British commander who named Griffin, um, uh, as like, hooray, I've, I've, re I've saved these from this, this crime lord uh, for, for the country. Um, this is also because it's the last day of British rule. Uh, Han is uh, leaving. He goes to take up a new diplomatic post in L.A., uh, but soon after he arrives there, his daughter, Sue Young, is kidnapped. Um, and Han calls Lee to come over and assist on the case. Um, the FBI, however, don't want him to be there because they don't think he could be of any help, and they're worried he might compromise the investigation. So they pawn him off on the LAPD, um, as punishment for botching a stinger operation, that job of sort of babysitting uh, Lee is given to Detective James Carter, who, uh, humiliated by learning that he's, his job is to babysit, he decides to solve the case for himself. Um, Carter and Lee don't get along. Uh, they have a whole bunch of uh, misunderstandings. Um, and, based on... Based uh, on on anything based on, in on, on their different their different cultures uh, oh. uh and race culture, mm. race uh, ethnicity uh, language uh, all the above Interesting. um yeah. uh sang uh who is you know Tao's right hand man calls han demanding a giant ransom in exchange for releasing his daughter uh lee and carter find out that Tao is behind the whole kidnapping they track him to a restaurant in Chinatown where they accidentally thwart the ransom handoff, um, meaning that Su Young is is not freed. Uh, Lee is ordered to return home because he got in the way, but Carter convinces him to stay and help finish the job together. The ransom set even higher, and the new drop is going to be at this Chinese art ex exhibition uh, opening, which was overseen by Han and Griffin, the British guy from the beginning. Twist, though, at the exhibition, we learn that Griffin is Jun Tao. Um, there's a huge fight at the expo. Carter and Lee save the day, though. Um, they are better at it than the FBI. Uh, Jun Tao is killed, as is saying. Uh, the daughter is rescued. Um, and it ends with the movie ends with Carter uh, boarding a plane with Lee to go to Hong Kong after uh, being offered a job with the FBI and basically saying, no, thanks. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I've left out a couple of uh, subplots and characters. The character of Johnson, I, I didn't talk about because I was trying to get through the synopsis, but I'm, we will talk about her. Uh, but yeah, she, is, uh, she helps. Or Pena. Oh shit, her name is John. Her real name is Pena. Her last name is John. Or the name of the show is Johnson. Gotcha. Is Johnson. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, yeah, who also works at the LAPD and she is like learning bomb diffusal. Yeah. And so she helps uh, at the end, she helps get the bomb off of Sue Young. But that's mm -hmm. the movie, basically. All right, all right, all right. It's, a, it's, also, it's also a comedy. I didn't say that. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's a comedy. It's a, uh, you know, a buddy cop comedy action. Indeed. Uh, 
you know, $35 million movie. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it made 244.4 million. So like enough to get sequels. There have been two rush hour, two rush hour, three rush hour, four is on the books. Um, we have Tom Wilkinson who we've already seen this very year in Shakespeare in love. Um, John Hawks, who's like the, the guy who's selling maps and stuff outside the Chinese theater. Like he was already in multiple movies. He was already famous at this time. Um, but you know, he has grown and gotten like more and more famous. And for, the best movie every no one's ever seen, Winter's Bone. He was nominated for an Academy Award. Um, mm-hmm. Then Zima, who played the Chinese consulate, he got his career. He started his career uh, in America working with uh, David Henry Wong. He worked. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he worked with he worked with him on Yellowface, Flower Drum Song, Dance in the Railroad. Uh, and a play called FOB that uh, I had never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. And then, so this movie uh, made a few people famous. Chris Tucker, he was coming off, basically, he was coming off a three film run of supporting roles uh, Money Talks, Jackie Brown, and The Fifth Element, uh, in all in 97. And then this movie was his first like leading role mm-hmm. and it, you know it, according to the metrics of the time uh smashed it um <laughs> and uh you know there's a bit of he shortly after this he converted to he became a born again christian which is why he stopped um really? he stopped doing it yeah he stopped doing any um profane profane roles like stopped doing any profanity in his um in his stand-up and he was in the movie friday and he left the franchise which i think means he turned out like three additional sequels and Mm -hmm. uh, or at least two sequels and he just left that that franchise entirely um yeah, and then uh, uh, Jackie Chan. This is like mm-hmm. we talked about. Um, we talked about him before, I think, because like Rumble in the Bronx. I remember saying that Rumble in the Bronx was like his first sort of uh, American debut, and like mm-hmm. yes, it created like a little bit of thirst for him, but mm-hmm. this movie is the movie yeah. that created Jackie Chan as an, um, like a comedy action star in America, despite mm-hmm. the fact that like, yes, he's had a, you know, a 20 year career prior to this. Um, right. But he, this like solidified him as a box office success. There's rush hour two, rush hour three. Um, the craziest thing to me, you know, first off, uh, before I do that, you know, he is also in his own right. Uh, a pop star in Cantonese and Mandarin. Uh, he has, he sang many of the theme songs to his early films. And then in 2004, 
the this move like which is you know closer to the release of this film than than we are to it um he was you know basically seen as this this person wrote about him that he would basically be the most recognized star in the world because of how like a lot of you know western european and american talent doesn't have recognition in in china he has the china and southeast asian recognition and he has it in the u.s um in as of 2016 he was the highest paid actor in the world and this movie he was i'm sorry the second highest paid actor in the world and this is the movie this movie is the movie for which he learned english wow so though uh though he did rumble in the Bronx and that was in English. He apparently learned all those lines phonetically. Oh, exactly. So oh then God. this movie was the one that he literally, like he learned English for. That's amazing. Which I, the, the, the funny thing while he credits Chris Tucker, helping him a lot with his pronunciation and, and helping him like learn English. Part of that was because this part of the need for him to speak English, besides the fact that he started to feel like he could make money in in America, was that he was, um, you know, this movie has a bit of that sort of improvisational comedy style that was kind of, you know, big with people like uh, Will Smith. Jackie Mm -hmm. Chan hated that. Mm -hmm. And he's vocal about the fact that he does not care or like the Rush Hour movies at all. And he did mainly because he just, he did not, he said that they didn't really value good fight scenes. He thought that there wasn't enough fighting. And that he was just like, I don't get Chris Tucker's comedy. I don't understand what, I don't understand what is funny about the stuff that he does. Um, Yeah. And he said that, that like, after like years after the movie or like like not that many years not that many years i mean it was like mid it was before rush hour three that he was saying that Mm -hmm. that like i remember reading that like you know yeah he likes to do he does movies in america because they pay loads of money but he but they're he thinks that like Mm -hmm. fight movies in in america he's like yeah they they fucking suck um -hmm. get guess when i'm like he was the highest paid actor, second highest paid actor in the world. I don't know. And then I, I saw like, guess what his payment was for rush hour three. I can't guess. Tell me. Asian distribution rights. I was like his, his payment. You got the rights was the rights to distribute the film in Asia. Wow. I'm like, holy shit. That is fucking crazy. Like, oh. and, and not only that, he owns a chain of like movie theaters. So mm-hmm. like he even like has the, like he even even have the ability to then make more money off of his film being like paid for by people going to see it at his movie theater. Like, Mm. I was like, that is fucking crazy. China, India, Mm. 
Korea, yeah. fucking, you know, yeah, like Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, Taiwan, like fucking all of it. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, he's also by the fact that like there's a lot of information about him and with with China, Taiwan, and doing a lot of movies in, in Hong Kong. I feel like we as a like a Western look at those areas view them as very like distinct, separate, divided, don't cross that line. But like clearly their level of connection and cooperation was like more than at least the narrative of the United States and like Western society has tried to uh, paint them. In terms of like, because he made movies in various different countries in Asia. Yes, but not just various different countries in Asia, but like the the fact that like like British Hong Kong, you know, the Chinese or mainland China, um, but then and then also Taiwan. I mean, these are three different places that are seen as at odds. Yeah. Hong Kong is the is the glimmering light of democracy in a communist mm-hmm. East, and like all these things that <laughs> right, yeah. it, it, that right. it, it's. It's part of our, at least like the American narrative of trying to keep it like black and white between like communism and, and the free world that makes it seem like these people are are more divided than they are. Yes, there's loads of like political tension. But fuck, there's political tension here. Um, but yeah, it just it just struck me as like, oh, interesting in this area it doesn't seem like there is you know going back and going to hong kong to make movies is not the same as like barishnikov leaving the ussr to come here you know sure. um or you know nuriev etc mm-hmm. or that dude from die hard um yeah <laughs> but and and fun fact he's currently on staff at the Hong Kong Polytechnic uh, University, teaching Jackie tourism Chan. management. No, oh, wow, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan is Jackie Chan. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then, let's just. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Almost. I thought maybe I've said enough, but I haven't said enough. This is a Brent Ratner movie. Um, he's directed all the Rush Hour movies. Rush Hour was his second movie. Um. He also made movies like uh, Red Dragon, The Family Man, uh, X-Men Last Stand, and uh, lastly, the Hercules movie. Um, oh. And, you know, it's, it's but, just kind of interesting. That, not, not the cartoon movie, the, the like, live-action movie that yeah. was made in, in the, the mid-teens. And, and his career kind of, well, it kind of cut off in the mid-teens. And I just wonder, mm-hmm. oh, is there particularly... A reason, perhaps, that Brett Ratner's career might have been cut off in the 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 mid teens, and it turns out, yes, there was. Um, no stranger to to controversy, he uh, was hired to produce the the 2011 Oscars, but quit, and said that his reason for quitting was that rehearsal was for uh, f words. Um, oh my god! Yep, and you know. He then apologized. He did apologize. Um, then in on the general, he doesn't do rehearsal. What the? 
Right. Okay, continue. Uh-huh. Then uh, on the set of X-Men Last Stand, before uh, before like many things had happened, he uh, took it upon himself to uh, out Ellen Page to the cast and crew. My God. Uh, and then Sarah Shahai on Rush Hour 3 um, in... She claimed that he multiple times pushed himself against her and made various sexual comments. And then in October of 2017, a former talent agent employee said that he raped her. And then November 1st, uh, just you know, a few weeks later, six more women came forward with accusations of uh, sexual harassment, including Olivia Munn. And that same day, Warner Brothers cut all ties with Brett Ratner. So that's why that man's career is Hadenzo. Yep. And then this movie. uh, So a couple things that this movie has put out into the world. Um, Most clearly uh, the, the second most popular thing that this movie has put into the world is do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And you know what? I feel like I'm inclined to do a Chris Tucker. I'm going to be struggling against because oftentimes when you, yeah, oftentimes when you quote a movie, you want to say it like the actor says it, but uh, that's hot water. That's hot water. Um, But yeah, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Um, Less so the third most popular commonly known thing or relevant thing to come out of this movie is uh, don't ever touch a black man's radio. Um, but the first most popular thing or most relevant thing to come out of this movie was the website Rotten Tomatoes. What? Yup. What do the, you mean? The after Rumble in the Bronx, Jackie Chan's Hong Kong movies started to get released in the U.S. with like English dubs and stuff, and as they were being released. The creator of the one to uh, Tomatoes website, I, I believe his name is Sen Duong, started collecting all of the reviews of his Hong Kong movies as they were being released in the U.S. And then when the movie was announced, he went, Hoop! hopped online, wrote the code, two weeks, popped up Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes exists because this movie came out. That's amazing. Huh. Cool. Fun fact. Yeah. That's a fun, fun fact. fact. That's a fun fact. All right, shall we vote? Yes. Please? Yes. <laughs> Great. Okay. Three. Ready? Two. Set. Vote. Go. No. Unfortunately, um, I think I don't, no. You think no? I don't oh, know. Okay. If I could, could change a whole bunch of things, then I would love to keep it. Uh, but... So many of those things are would just be a such a huge re. Okay, so to me, this movie is founded on microaggressions, like mm-hmm. and that it's like really the foundation of this movie. Um, and in the movie, like they are meant to be, uh, you know, just like jokes and or like just kind of the way the world operates. You know, sort of sure. Um, and because like the whole really like the whole plot between Carter and Lee is like 
really mostly from entirely actually from Carter's point of view, like microaggressions about Lee and mm. about Chinese people. Um, and like, so it would be a major reworking uh, of the movie to not have that. And I think because it doesn't, it to me, it doesn't feel like the point of view of the movie is like what he's doing is bad or like, he learns his lesson, you know, or something like, it's just kind of like the, it's just the worldview of this character. Um, and like, yes, by the end, I guess they kind of become friends. Um, but like that, like that just feels like a huge part of the plot. And like the premise of this movie is like, what if, you know, we put these two guys together who just have total, cultural misunderstandings you know like and like so that feels like baked into like the foundation of the movie um in addition to like many other things about carter's character that like he's it's it suck because chris Tuck, chris tucker and jackie chan are so good and so funny and like such just such wonderful joys to watch um but like carter as a character also like his he's just like his sexism, it's like all these microaggressions are like the the world of this movie. Um, and I love like like Jackie Chan. I'm so like if if this movie didn't exist, like would Jackie Chan be as big as like in the U.S. at least as he is? Pro honestly, probably still because like, but maybe not. So like if if this would affect that, then like that's where I mean my the, big question. Part of the problem is you know. This movie, in conjunction with uh, Shanghai Noon, right. established it. Well, Shanghai Noon is the exact same thing, just a hundred years okay. prior. Right, it was the literal exact plot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so like probably, and I don't know if Shanghai Noon, like, like probably, like it would still have gotten made, and like we're not there. There's the same problems in that movie, honestly. Mm -hmm. So it's like all the same. But like, I love Jackie Chan, and uh, so like would. But but yeah, but like to me, like this movie is just baked in, you know, casual racism, casual misogyny. Uh, and like that's uh, really hard to overlook, like when it is the the bedrock of the yeah. worldview of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the reason that I feel a little bit differently now, the reason that I I. It's it's funny to me because I start to feel closer to keeping it the more that I um the more that I actually like try to think about it and break it down because you're right. I think the most egregious thing by far, the most like um un like the most unselfconscious part of this entire movie is his Chris Tucker uh, sexually harassing every movie, every woman that he comes in contact with. Um, and you know, his, his relationship with, uh, you know, Elizabeth Pena or, uh, Jackson, did you say her name was Johnson? Jackson? Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. The Johnson. bomb tech, um, his relationship with her. Um, Unbelievable. but like when I start to think about like, okay, who's the bad guy? in this movie. Well, the bad guy is like British imperialists who, yeah. you know, like the fact that I thought it was interesting that he was like, you know, basically before 
his motivation, the Tom Wilkinson's motivation for stealing these like priceless Chinese artifacts is that he only has to steal them because he no longer just owns them as a member of the British like Imperial Mm -hmm. authority. And I like, I thought that was interesting. Also like while Chris Tucker is like, yes. um, Showing that he like, has all these sort of microaggressions against Asian people. He is also in a, in a macro way, um, in, in like a much more like aggressive way being brushed off racistly by white people who fused, refused to take him seriously. And like, mm-hmm. they all get shot. Um, they all are like consistently proven wrong. And also like, the you know in a way there there's this idea i feel like of americans like underestimating china and 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 sort mm-hmm. of chinese people and that's something that like permeates the film as like why the fbi is wrong and like why you know chris tucker is like like he's continuing to underestimate Lee and things like that. And he's very clearly the best detective and the best like trained person to fight all these people all at one time. Um, the one scene that I, that I was like, Ugh, okay. Ugh, ugh, was the scene where it's like, Oh, you know, what's funny about Chinese people? Uh, they don't know that the N words bad. Mm, yeah. Um, that I was kind of like, uh, low hanging fruit, but at the same, ew, pardon me. Oh my gosh. Um, but then, but then I also, uh, I mean, the reality is there are, are white people that I know just from other, just non-America that actually don't realize, don't really believe that the N word is bad. So yeah, in right. China, I mean, I like I, I get wise, it. I believe the scene, but I, I just like I, you know, like I, but yeah, I was just sort of like, but the point of having that scene is that's where like the I don't know, it's just yeah, so cultural it's, it's like, like fun, just like fun, high, like cultural yeah. dissonance. The other thing is that I started to I, I remember we talked about this at, during Ferris Bueller, right? Um, mm-hmm. That which you were not there for, I acknowledge. Um, just about the inherently that comedy is tricky because Mm -hmm. in like in many, there are just significantly fewer comedies that we would ever be able to like quote unquote keep or that the context of the time is much more important than the context of the time is very likely for a drama, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's even, you know, a true of Shakespeare. Something that I, you know, would started to say a lot for like Shakespearean comedy is that like in Shakespearean tragedy, all the fucked up shit that people do, well, they all die. So like, mm-hmm. it's tragic that the women die. And then when the, when the men who mistreat the women die, well, they got their comeuppance in the comedies. Mm-hmm 
the the bad guys that mistreat the women, uh, their reward they're the good guys, and their reward is getting to marry the woman. Um, and so, like, there in my opinion, in my opinion is there's just no way to fix that. So get rid, just get rid of the most egregious ones. Keep the few that are okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. It's yeah, just it's sorry. just tough. Like we've also, I just think like you know dealing with men in black, right? Like I feel like there's not anything fundamentally different about the comedy that Will Smith is doing versus the comedy that that Chris Tucker is doing. It's a little bit it's a little bit derivative, I feel like, but also it's a bit less family oriented. And so I, I feel like part of the family oriented nature of Will Smith is what allows it like because he's not necessarily pushing buttons in his movies. They are going to, quote, hold up better under like changing sensibilities. But I don't feel like. Yeah, I, I don't. I just well, feel but like I, th- I mean, I. How? Well, no, I think like, I mean, like Men in Black is a really great example because like, I guess, yes, the probably, I guess maybe they were rated differently in terms of like PG versus like, I actually don't know what Rush Hour was rated. Uh, It might be interesting to see, but like that, like uh, the comedy of Will Smith in that movie versus Chris Tucker in this movie is super different, like, because it's like the comedy there is like uh about this like for and men in black is like more like situational i don't know i mean maybe it is a similar thing except that like aliens in that one it's like instead of a chinese person he's making fun of aliens i guess but like it also just is i think like i don't know like it's different and I, it's true it's true that like so many comedies yeah they like probably will don't hold up hold up as well um but uh yeah, oh. but then so don't keep them <laughs> if they don't hold up well. Like I think I'm I totally agree with the like I I was super glad that like the bad guy in this movie uh was the British guy. Like yeah, for sure. I I appreciated that a lot. Um but at the same time also just looking at it as like if we were to put that to the side for a second, there are so many plot holes in this movie that also just make it a really questionable movie. Like the the for example, the climactic scene where Jin Tao is revealed to be the British guy and like the ransom is happening at the expo and everything. If his whole thing was like, I, he wanted all these cultural artifacts. uh, What is he doing then? Like instead just taking money and like setting up what very well he, he knows could go violent at the place that is housing all the things that he wants like he has this whole little speech about like how he had this whole collection of the artifacts or whatever and then he just like lets them all get blown up and tries to just like escape with money like i just don't understand i feel like they didn't fully think through i felt like they set up that he wanted to be compensated that basically he viewed those losses as personal and wanted to be compensated for them um and so but that's I don't why he wanted believe them that he would want them destroyed. Like it's so mm. weird to me that he would choose. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. 
And there's like small things too throughout like there the when Young gets kidnapped, there's like the there's like three different points like she she like kicks the the guy and like escapes the car and then a dude on a motorcycle picks her up and then the motorcycle they like put her in a van and it's like did you plan all three of these steps in case she like kicked you and escaped like i don't know they're just like like it's a super small thing but like uh the I don't know. There's just like weird bits in the movie that make it feel like they want us to just sort of look past it for the sake of the action, um, which like and and the thing you were saying about circling back um, for Carter's character, it's like they I guess I, I suppose there is it's funny, like he doesn't actually seem the movie might actually be more I would probably appreciate it more maybe if like uh, the racism that he certainly would be dealing with being a cop in LA uh with a white boss and like all the other all the other things that are happening like uh would come into play and like would affect him but like he the first thing we see him do is like mess up this sting operation obviously it's not entirely his fault like two cops i guess as a matter of fact two cops because effectively because he's black don't trust that he's an undercover police officer so they botch two white cops botch his bust yeah but then he like blows up the car and like the whole block gets blown up and like and and again yeah and if it was like perhaps it is also just like the uh you know the sort of uh bias like unconscious bias of the movie that like yeah the why are these two cops doing what they do oh because they don't trust him because he's black like if that came into the movie like that would be interesting but i feel like the movie is just telling us it's just sort of it's kind of avoiding i actually think it you know i you know i i i just i disagree i think that it is it is a bit but it is doing so sorry i gotta remember to lower my voice it is doing so a bit yes mainly because you know it's keeping it a comedy it's keeping it like PG-13 so as not to ruffle too many white feathers. But there is a scene where he talks about like being a part of the LAPD as being a part of the most hated police department in the country and that he, that his mother tells the rest of his family that he's a drug dealer that they would rather him his family would rather him be a drug dealer than a member of the LAPD yeah. at that time in the 90s which they didn't that yeah which basically is saying pretty much outright that like his family would disapprove of him being a part of this law of this police department that that you know yeah. commits acts of pro- police it's brutality right. and is like notably super racist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like that well, so I- far is the only movie that we've talked about that involves black people and the police that has acknowledged police brutality. Like that, like Beverly Hills. I mean, we haven't done too many, but Beverly Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, with the exception of Do the Right Thing. Um, like mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop, not even close. No, of course. I mean, yeah, no. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it feels. I mean, again, I guess it's not if this movie, yeah, it's PG thirteen, like wh- who it's for and everything. It's, um, yeah, it's 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 certainly referenced by, it's certainly referenced um, a bit. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I I don't know. I just I am still just not sure because it it honestly it it's interesting. Like it feels like the movie is um, is more comfortable. And maybe this makes sense in terms of the time, which like mm-hmm. in a twisted way, like uh, mocking or like making these sort of racial microaggressions against uh, all the Chinese character characters a- right. in the film than anybody else who is uh, a person of color in the film, except like between like from between like from the mouth of a black character. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh so it sort of feels, I don't know, there's something, there's something that is not like, uh, balanced about, I, 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 right. so I just, I'm, I, I just, don't know. I'm what still struggles like, with, with the, 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 the way that I struggle with that is part of me feels like it might also be a bit of a, like Oscar in the office scenario where it's like, when you watch the way that like Michael Scott in the office, uh, like outs oscar and the way that it's treated and like that would never be in a show today but in 2005 like 2007 or whatever like the fact that it was like on the show was like was progressive and so like at the time like this this film is you know, in a, in a quote, what we would now see as like a half-hearted way suggesting that we as Americans underestimate Chinese people. Like what other films were saying that we as Americans underestimate Chinese people. And so like, does it necessarily like, is it seen as regressive for the time also? And I don't know. Like, like if some, and what I mean, not even regressive, because I think baseline is, is still bad. My question is for the time, was it progressive? And then I don't know the answer to. And I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. nor do I because also with Jackie Chan not only did you know Jackie Chan come over but then there was a you know a rise in in people like Jet Li as well it created like a a solid 10 year period where like Chinese martial art movie stars had a bit of a boon in the US market you know, that it extended even beyond Jackie Chan. Yeah, no, yeah, it's super interesting. Um, I really appreciate these points of view. Yeah, this is making me think about it differently. And I still don't know, and I don't know that I can, like, honestly, like, vote. I don't, you know, just because I... Uh, these are yeah, all really, no. really important questions. Right, which, no. you know what we can do then? Let's put a pin in it. And mm-hmm. 
you know, we won't obviously at the end of the series, we're not going to have a, a 90s bonus recap like the <laughs> other, like we did. But, you know, we can just like put a pin in it. And if at some point in the future we get around to like how we might remake it, mm-hmm. then we can, I don't know, just kind of save it for that or save it yeah. for, you know, just something in which we like look into the context just like a little bit more or i mean we can do that i'm open to doing sure. it uh, we can yeah. do anything we can do anything we make the rules podcast. yeah um but but yeah i just think it i think it's tough uh i think that you know it created this big market it's also prom you know it like created lots of uh, financial opportunity for chinese people um and then it also like is in and of itself a better argument for the like for like treating like uh, you know combating anti-asian racism in the us than i think m- maybe a number of other mainstream comedies. Like, as a matter of fact, I, I couldn't name you a mainstream comedy that didn't star Jackie Chan. That was about, that was like about like anti-Asian racism in the U S hmm. and spoiler alert, the history is long. The first ever, you know, uh, immigration law was the Chinese exclusion act about limiting Asian people from coming to the U S so like, yeah. It, it's, yeah. No, I know. Totally. And my question is just, yeah. Is it really doing that because of the ways that we think that, yeah, that we are laughing with Chris Tucker as well. So I, yeah, I, and, but I, I absolutely hear this point and I think it's really, really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Cause, cause we laugh with Chris Tucker, but we also laugh at, Chris Tucker, we laugh, but sometimes I wonder, like, are the reasons that we're laughing at Chris Tucker, are those also problematic? Um, And then also, but at the same time, if that's part of, like, something that was big in, like, leading male black actors in comedy in the 90s, like, they're not they were part of that engine as well. So then am I then just being racist and saying, Oh no, 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 you can't do that thing Mm -hmm. because there are racial undertones that you don't understand, but Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at it. it, Yeah. Well, and a lot of it to me is about the script and I am so curious to know what exactly was improvised and what was scripted and mm-hmm. you know because i think all that also like it makes me you know it's just like thinking about quentin tarantino right and uh, you know like yeah how much of this because chris tucker is such a great comedian like i'm sure so much of this was improvised and that does honestly it does change it for me you know like mm-hmm. uh, as far as as far as like that element that you're talking about right now but yeah, yeah i don't know interesting who would have thought that rush hour would would spark such a right such a, um we ha- we haven't had to delve this deep into nuance since it's rain man oh god yeah, yeah. oh yeah 
Um, well, next week we're we're having a little more Chris Tucker in our lives. Mm. Um, I'm very excited. We're doing The Matrix and The Fifth Element. Oh, baby. yeah. Oh. oh, my God. I am very excited. Two movies that I have loved for a long, long time. Yeah, damn, man. Also, who we're seeing a, a hell of a lot of, Bruce Willis. We're, yeah. just, we're just like up in our That's Bruce true. Willis count. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he was a big part of the 90s. It yeah, turns out, so. he's like, yeah. it's kind of crazy that like Die Hard, he wasn't a huge star in 90s. Fucking huge action star, yeah. household name, Bruce fucking Willis. Well, so, I know, and I'm not complaining about it. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, sweet. Well, right. yeah, this is really fun. We'll see you for more 90s next week. All and... Right. Rock Rising Productions podcast. I'm Steve Muskus. Follow, follow, follow me at Steve Muskus. Follow Gina, her at Gina Whithag underscore Whithag. Whithag. <laughs> All right. Yep. Uh, Thank you for right. listening. Take it out. Like and subscribe. I believe I can fly. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe I can soar. See me running through that open door. I believe I can fly. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram. And if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.